My name is Billy Kobe, and you're listening to Do Better Media. If you like what you hear, or even if you don't, please subscribe to the show. We are now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically wherever podcasts are being heard. Please don't forget the hashtag when searching for Do Better Media on your favorite podcast carrier. Welcome to Season 4 of Do Better Media. We have a number of changes in store for the podcast. Some obvious, some not so much. We hope you enjoy the show nonetheless. Thank you for listening to Do Better Media. On Monday of this week, John Gruden resigned from his position as head coach of the NFL's Oakland Raiders amid controversy surrounding Gruden's email communication with Bruce Allen, former president of the Washington football team. As reported by the New York Times, the emails, spanning over a 10-year period, contained racist, homophobic, and misogynistic remarks directed at various subjects, including D. Maurice Smith, the head of the National Football League Players Association, who happens to be black. Gruden said of Smith, quote, Dumb Morris Smith has lips the size of Michelin tires, unquote. Gruden also denounced the drafting of Michael Sam, the openly gay player who was drafted by the now Los Angeles Rams in the 2014 NFL Draft. Gruden also criticized the tolerance of the NFL of the players protesting during the playing of the national anthem and used homophobic and misogynistic slurs to refer to various figures, including NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell and then Vice President Joe Biden. Not surprisingly, denouncement of Gruden and the emails has come from far and wide, and consequences such as Gruden being disincluded in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Ring of Honor, the NFL franchise in which he won a Super Bowl with in 2001, and Gruden losing his Skechers footwear endorsement deal followed. Criticism has even made its way to the NFL, of which New York Times sports columnist Kurt Streeter said in his editorial on October 12th, Quote, its hypocrisy is evident in the actions of its decision makers, unquote. To go more in depth on this subject, we have invited a couple of friends of the program, comedian Ryan Haynes and attorney Yari Lawson, to join us in the now weekly segment, the Do Better Media Forum. Joining us today in the Do Better Media Forum are two friends of the program, comedian Ryan Haynes and attorney Yari Lawson. Thank you both for joining us in the Do Better Media Forum. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to ask you both, um, what were your reactions to the letters and the resignation? Well, I wish I could say I was shocked at all, but it's a pretty unbiased look at the culture around the game, around the game at the highest level. And that's unfortunate. I wish I was a little more surprised or surprised at all, to be honest with you, but I'm not. You know, I think, I think my, my initial reaction, you know, Billy, um, to, to the comments, uh, you know, themselves is, is that just, just really, you know, greater than the comments is just that I think the overall uh, development of the story um, is that the comments themselves were from several years ago, um, and the comments were uh, captured inside of emails that were sent to uh, a general manager, uh, and those um, 
emails were read by a general manager and uh, the general manager was aware of those emails from several years ago, uh, which meant that uh, there were members of uh, executive members of an NFL organization that was aware of those emails uh, from several years ago. I think um, what um, that indicates to me is that this is this is a part of a broader culture, um, not just in the executive uh, circles of uh, the NFL, but I think um, also in the locker rooms, I think it's a part of the culture. I think it's a part of the attitude um, on the fields. And, but I think it's um, part of what we see, like when we, when you look at the NFL, like, um, like if you just, if you look at the combine, uh, <laughs> the imagery, the imagery at the combine, um, that that was once a time at the combine when when the players were um, they'd come out and the players were like um, in shorts and in t-shirts and it looked like a fundamental tryout. Um, now it literally looks like an auction block. You know what I mean? And um, I think when you look at the NFL itself on the field it looks more densely populated African-American as you get uh, closer and closer to the sidelines, you get fewer African-American coaches as you get um, out into the um, uh, stands, you get fewer African-American fans as you get into the um, press boxes, you get fewer African-American executives and you've got no African-American owners. So, um, and then you've got very little African-American influence in the media, uh, especially in terms of who is controlling the media, who's controlling the media narratives. So uh, none of this, you know, really surprises me in terms of the commentary and in terms of the fact that the commentary was, um, you know, sat on for this long. At, at first, the, uh, the imagery of it, of the combine looking more like an auction block, even though I almost a hundred percent agree with what you just said, even like it still is shocking to me to think about it that way. So I just, I really appreciated that. I agree with you both. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised by it, but I was definitely disappointed and I'll, I'll piggyback off what you both said. Um, just in terms of, I mean, the language was was definitely shocking, and but it wasn't surprising. It wasn't surprising. When confronted by his comments about Smith, Gruden tried to explain that his comments weren't racial, but rather had to do with Smith and his lack of honesty in his opinion. Smith responded to Gruden's comments by saying, quote, you know, people are sometimes saying things behind your back that are racist, just like you see people talk and write about you using thinly coded and racist language. Racism like this comes from the fact that I'm at the same table as they are, and they don't think that someone who looks like me belongs. My question for you both has uh, two parts. One, and Yara, you kind of talked about it a little bit, is this a pervasive issue, not just in the NFL or in professional sports leagues, but in the corporate world as well? 
And two, have you ever faced anything similar to what Smith has faced in the workplace? Well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say that, you know, I think that the comments themselves are, are a bit tricky. You know, I, I, I um, you know, I, I do think that um, the comments um, can certainly um, be construed as racially insensitive, but I, I don't, I don't necessarily know that they are intended to be racial or that they were necessarily intended to be racial or racially motivated. I, I can definitely understand where the comments were intended to refer to someone who was a fast talker, particularly given the fact that Demari Smith is the, or, well, he currently still is the, um, the executive director of the uh, NFLPA. So, so by nature, what he does is he negotiates on behalf of the, uh, on behalf of the, uh, the players association, the NFL players association. So what that means is he is, uh, essentially is um, bargaining uh, and in in his role um, he is trying to get a set of rights and uh, the, 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 the perception has been is that he's been largely ineffective right <laughs> and so he's yielded a lot of he's yielded a lot of like you know, power to the NFL and to the owners over the years. And so I think the frustration, right, has been, and the perception has been um, that he's been fast talking and that he's been selling the players a bag of goods. Like, for instance, this 17th game um, with very little in return, right? And so I think, you know, when, when Gooden – when, when Gruden refers to Damari Smith as a fast talker, I, I think, you know, there, there's, there's some frustration there that comes along with that, that is rooted in the fact that Damari Smith is simply largely ineffective in his role as the head of the NFL Players Association. And that is not racial in itself. Um, but, but, you know, given, I think, obviously, uh, the fact that America's very, very deep and sensitive and rich, you know, racial history. And in particular, right, in the NFL, um, how hypersensitive the the labor and racial issues are in the NFL. You know, I, I do think that there there is a, a certain um, uh, tentacle that should be placed on, on how we emphasize issues with respect to a person like Damari Smith being in the position that he is. And I think it, I think that there was a certain tone deafness that came along with those remarks. Um, as, as an African-American male lawyer, I, I can certainly identify with that. I mean, I, 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 <laughs> I feel that pressure, you know, quite often um, in that role um, as, as uh, <clears throat> feeling the pressure of having to advocate um, in a in a very uh, unique way, having to be almost very careful in in the way that I say things, in the in the way in my demeanor, my posture, um, uh, and just in the way that I treat people, um, and and sometimes I I don't think that um, you know my 
white counterparts have to be as measured in their approach. And it can be, quite frankly, exhausting. Uh, so I do understand Damaris's concerns uh, when, when he talks about uh, having to um, bear the brunt, I think, of probably what he believes are, are racially motivated or thinly veiled racially quotes uh, aimed at Hill. But this is, this is a very kind of a tricky issue all the way around. Um, but, but I, I kind of, um, I kind of err on the side of saying that Gruden's comment themselves were not racist. Uh, I, I can't agree, um, with, you know, uh, the assessment that Gruden's comments aren't inherently racist. I can't wholeheartedly agree with that. I will say that what's really interesting about that conversation and to think about it from the approach of what was his intent when he said those things, I think that intent is hard to prove by design, uh, especially when it comes to this topic. And uh, so I think when you talk about the issue getting tricky, I think it's tricky by design. Um, and I think to speak to the pervasiveness of like, or how pervasive this issue is within sports, within the corporate world, however you want to view it, uh, I, I think that it, it's purposely thrown in there, that language. Um, sometimes it's inadvertent, but I think a lot of the times purposefully it's made to kind of throw you off track uh, and make you question. I think the kids refer to it as gaslighting. Um, that's, that's what it is to me. Uh, but I, I suppose I'm, I'm trying to think of a good way to say what I really, really want to say. Uh, I thought a lot of Gruden's language and just, yeah, the angle of thinking about this. And I think you spoke to this Yari when we first started the conversation, this angle of this all happened a few years ago. What we're seeing is these guys in power in these circles I think it's a lot clearer in sports to see the power dynamic, to see three out of four players on the field be black uh, and then just start to see that dwindle to zero, like you referred to earlier, uh, the higher you get up. So is it pervasive in sports? Absolutely. Is it pervasive in other aspects of society? Absolutely. I think the most important thing in this conversation is to not get thrown off with intent. The fact that we even have to question the intent is the inherent problem. Um, and to speak to Mr. Smith himself and his comments about the situation, I do feel for him uh, as a black male in America. I absolutely, I mean, it's a story we've all heard. Um, a lot of us can identify with, I can't identify with it at the corporate level, but certainly in the industries that I'm in both comedy, but also the service industry, you know, in terms of a day job, uh, those, those dynamics are always present and the comments may vary, but the feeling doesn't when you're there. And I think that's the easiest way to explain that to other people. Um, yeah. And in terms of, again, Mr. Smith, I feel for him, but I also, 
he's in the NFL. It's it's hard to <laughs> this might be really, really shallow of me, but it's hard to have too much worry about him in the position that he's in in terms of being a representative for the players. Like you said, it's been ineffective. We see the reality of like these quote unquote changes and initiatives that have been presented in the NFL over the past decade plus really. Um, And we're just not seeing that culture change. And this, again, these emails, this whole thing is a really, really plain, you know, middle finger to black fans, to be honest with you. Uh, And it's a shame. It's a shame, really. I agree with you both. Um, as a as a black man, I've certainly faced similar um, at 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 its least uh, small microaggressions, and at its most, a, a full out racist assault. And it's it's tiring, and I absolutely believe that this is. Um, a pervasive issue not only in sports but in the corporate world world as well so I want to ask you my my last question is this I want to ask you both this in terms of the NFL um, with this incident with the um, the backlash NFL is receiving will this fundamentally change the NFL in any way in your opinions no, um, <laughs> no. I mean, listen. The NFL is a, is a major cash cow. You know, I think that you know um, there was a lot of interest or a lot of you know um, concern about how the NFL might fundamentally transform last summer after the Black Lives Matter um, protests following uh, the George Floyd. Uh, protests during the summer of 2020. Um, Of course, there was a very interesting dynamic that came into play with all of that because uh, the uh, convergence of the global pandemic, COVID-19, ended up um, essentially emptying out the stands, which um, affected how um, the, the economics of the protests would have impacted uh, the the um, that that sort of Black Lives Matter protest and the impact on the NFL uh, altogether. Anyway, but um, you know, ultimately, I think the NFL is just too much of a cash cow. Um, I think it yields uh, far too much financial uh, influence. Um, I think it just has too many powerful conglomerates with uh, the media and other uh, uh, powerful organizations. And the fact of the matter is, is that uh, the NFL has um, the ability, I think, to control the narrative in ways that, um, you know, many organizations just simply do not. And if you if you pay close attention to how this thing developed, right, um, you, you, you know when we when this story first broke, it it started it started with the discussion that 
you know, there, there were racially insensitive comments made regarding Damari Smith. Um, and then, you know, it was really not that big of a deal. And then two to three days later, then it started, started to morph into um, this story about now he's making comment. He was making comments about um, Roger Goodell, who's, who's the, um, obviously the commissioner. And uh, he was making now uh, homophobic and potentially transphobic, you know, comments. And then when those comments started to um, emerge, um, that, that is when um, it was suddenly time to, to resign. Interestingly enough, that it's like the same afternoon that uh, the Dave Chappelle special um, um, controversially uh, comes out and Dave Chappelle is like, this is going to be my last Netflix special, right? <laughs> you know, and, and so I think that this is not going to fundamentally change the NFL in any way, shape or form, because I think what we know about the NFL is that the people who control the NFL, the people who own the NFL are who they are. And the fact of the matter is, is that, listen, if you go to a studio in Brooklyn, New York, right? If you go to a studio in Oakland, if you go to a studio in Los Angeles, California, if you come to Atlanta where I am, you go to a studio and you want to record, if you want to record a hip hop track, if you want to record a hip hop beat and you want to play in my culture, right? Then you want to participate in my culture. You want to participate in my art. You're going to play by my rules, right? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Well, that's, that's just kind of the name of the game. And so, so, so you learn to sort of play within those rules. And what I'm saying is, is that there are 32 owners in the NFL. All of them are older white men. And the bottom line is, is that is their rules, is their language, is their culture. And I just, I just don't foresee the, the unwritten rules. I don't see the language. I don't see the culture changing in any way shape or form anytime soon in the NFL. I just, I just simply don't. Yari, you for, you forgot about my guy, Shad Khan down in uh, Jacksonville. Pakistan. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just the one though. I know I, uh, I a hundred percent agree that no, this will not fundamentally change the NFL. I think that, Honestly, what this whole situation is, is the NFL jettisoning or, you know, like they they are booting Gruden from the boat because he, one, you know, you can tell he's not uh, while he was politically co connected um, within the league, had the relationship with Allen, the owner of the Washington team, but also some sort of associations and professional rivalries with the Glazer family, which is an interesting read for anybody who wants to look that up in terms of the internal dynamics of how these guys relate to each other. Uh, but yeah, the, the culture of the NFL is not going to change because 
capital drives it. The product is bigger than any news story that's really going to come out there. I mean, I think that when you look at it, when you zoom out, take the big picture view of all of the things that have happened culturally and in and around the NFL over the last, again, decade almost at this point, we've heard the talk, but we have never, ever seen the walk. And if we have seen the walk, it is, it's, it's glacial in terms of the tempo. And I think the main reason is, again, the product is bigger than any drama that's going to come out. And I agree that to a certain degree, the NFL does have sway over their narrative more so than some other, I don't know, it's really hard to compare them to other corporations or conglomerates there aren't many of that size that offer the product that the nfl has you can really only compare them to other sports leagues um but it's it's really a shame uh to be on here and to kind of admit that i've been lost as a fan for quite some time i'm i think in combination you know of me being from st louis and us losing the Rams and we can have a whole rich discussion on the politics of that uh, and the relationships that they have with the cities and the people that support these teams and build the stadiums and take on the debt. And, but in terms of culture, I've just, I've never felt a connection. I mean, most of my connection uh, to the sport is through, you know, family and friends and sitting and enjoying again, this fantastic product, but as culture has changed, as we've gotten a better look into this organization, it becomes more and more clear with every incident that, again, we're going to continually hear the talk, but we just never see the walk. And at this, you know, current moment in time, I almost think it's absurd, shame on you or shame on anyone you know, not any of you in particular, but shame on anyone who really expects them to do better. I think that, to be honest with you, because the product is so big, I don't want to, you know, I, I, part of me has very, very strong feelings about blaming individual consumers for what they consume, uh, considering how society is. But at a certain point, you know, as a fan, you do have to question how much you're willing to put to the side. And for me, like a long time ago, like I don't enjoy the sport enough to be a fan through this, through the Black Lives Matter stuff, through how they treated Reed and Kaepernick, through how there's no representation, like we said earlier, on the ownership level, but barely even on the head coaching level, which is an embarrassment compared to pretty much every other sport. It's an embarrassment. Um, And yeah, it it is just really sad to, you know, I'm almost at this point right now where I feel like the Black Lives Matter movement, especially in relationship to sports, I mean, it almost feels as relevant as the Occupy movement from more than a decade ago where we're like, did nothing change, you know, throughout all of this? And you have to look at an NFL, 
you have to look at the NFL as an organization and year after year, scandal after scandal, has anything really changed? So we'll have to leave it right there. Brian Haynes, Yari Lawson, thank you both so much for joining us today on the Do Better Media Forum. Thank you for listening to Do Better Media. Once again, if you like what you hear, or even if you don't, please subscribe to the show. We are now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically wherever podcasts are being heard. And please don't forget the hashtag when searching for Do Better Media on your favorite podcast carrier. See you next week.